to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. James chapter 2 verse 1 says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, You stand there or, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves? And become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and the heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts? Do they not blaspheme the the noble name of by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well, but... If you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, have you not become a transgressor of the law? So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy Mercy triumphs over judgment. <laughs> Last week we we ended chapter one in, in James and and as you guys remember what we were talking about, he was he was encouraging the church at that time is to be a a doer of the word, right? We were, we weren't just supposed to be in just an an action in a in a in a conversation about it, but God was saying or James was saying at this time is is that hey look again Christianity is an action word. There's, there's the fact that we read the word, that we we understand the word. It should nothing else. It should just, it just should cause you. It should stir with inside of you that man, I have got to do something with this. I can't sit here and just read this and have all this head knowledge, but yet never do anything. Again, it was like it was looking at yourself in a mirror and then just kind of walking away and not remembering. But the fact that that this word is much more than a mirror. It doesn't just reflect what the outside is. This word actually penetrates inside of you. And if you have this knowledge and you have this understanding and the spirit is within inside of you, man, it just it calls you. It, it, it just it just makes you have to do something more. There has to be a change with inside of you if you're a Christian that I, I just can't look at that person and not have compassion and not want to do something for that person. And so James is looking at the church and saying, look, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. He's saying, look, you got to get dirty. You got to go do something. You got to be involved in people's lives and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. We talked about that being in the world, but not of the world, not allowing, you know, the, the jokes and the, the coarse language and, and the coarse jesting and, and all those kinds of things just come with inside of you so that there's really no difference between you and the world. I mean, at that point, then, then what are you? Well, I don't need to go to church with you because you're the same as me. You know, again, if Jesus has come into your life and there is a change, then there should be a change within your life. Again, you may not be perfect. We talked about that. You're not in heaven yet. None of us are perfect. 
Christine's perfect, but the rest of you guys are still working on it, okay? So, so the rest of us, except for Christine, are in sanctification process. We're growing. We are maturing within the Lord. And at some point, you have to look at it and go, this is when I got saved. Man, hopefully I'm better than where I was at the beginning. There should be some kind of movement within my life and to where maybe not everything is perfect, but there has to be movement and there has to be a growth within me. And I submit to you, Christian, if it has not happened, then then you need to get on your knees tonight and you need to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, what is wrong? What is in the way of my life? What are those gods that I've allowed that I have placed actually above you that I'm not willing to change and I'm not willing to be able to grow within the Lord? Well, then obviously James then is looking at this church that he's writing to and he comes up and he says, look, you know, I'm just telling you, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of the Lord, the Lord, Lord of glory. That's just a big word there of the Lord of glory with partiality. He's saying, look, again, the brethren, it's brethren. It's 15 times again that he's used this word brethren. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to his brothers in Christ and say, look, you don't hold this back from anybody. You can't. It's not what your requirement. Every one of us watched this video and we all had something in our heart that we already showed a prejudice. We already knew that that music was coming from that guy, didn't we? Every one of us did. Okay? So automatically, in our minds, we had a partiality within our minds. It's hysterical, isn't it? And then all of a sudden you see the little old lady turns off the bump in music and you're like, what? What is that? You know, I can't believe that. Every one of us showed a partiality. It just happens naturally within us. I don't think that you guys are evil because you thought that or you saw that. That was the purpose of when they made that is to be funny. But the point, and again, is, is partiality is just favoritism. Okay, and we're going to see this word partiality three times. And when I was doing my study on it, I highlighted and go, oh, it's the same word three times. It's actually not the same word. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? You see partiality, and you're like, oh, that's three times, but it's a different word each time in the Greek. This time is just, it's just showing favoritism, and we should not be the ones that are holding Christ back from somebody because we're showing partiality to somebody else that, that we think that, ah, oh, well, I'm not sure that they can do that. No, we're supposed to just go, what, make disciples of all nations. We're not supposed to look at it and decide, oh, that person gets saved. I'm not so sure about him. And, well, that person really needs to get saved because, oh, they're super nice and they're sweet. And I really like them. And, well, that person's coarse and he's he's still rough around the edges. I, I don't know about that. Somebody else needs to pray for that person. And, and you know what I mean? We can't sit there and as the church and as a loving church filled with the Holy Spirit and knowing what God has done inside of me and, and look at it and go, well, Jesus, did he, Jesus look at me and go, man, I kind of like that guy. We'll say, no. Just said, man, I'll, I'll die for everybody, Lord. Now again, there's a whole theological debate behind that, because there's, he chose some, and I'm not getting into that side today. But the fact is that that if you accept Jesus today, you're you're saved. I know that. He didn't he didn't sit there and be partial about about who he wanted to die for and who he desired to save. No, the Lord of Glory which is God. They were calling Christ God at this time, and which is a, one of the commentators was commenting that it was interesting to see that such a young church had a true understanding that Christ was God. And again, as we go back to who James was, and James walking with Christ as a young man, a young boy and a young man, and, and living with him, and then finally Christ coming back to him, I think James truly understood who Jesus was. I think he truly understood that, that his brother was God. 
I think he had an understanding in him. When he came back to him, and that, I think at that moment, that's when just James just dropped to his knees and was like, Oh, brother, God, thank you so much. You know, that this meant so much to me that you would come back to me. And so when he's writing this and he's saying, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, my brother, the Lord of glory, the Lord of glory. I mean, how glorious it will be when when Christ actually opens up and comes back to get us. I mean, at that moment when the trumpet sounds and, and we sit there and we just we are just the Lord of glory and we're in heaven and we get to see the God of, of, of unmeasurable light and the glory and the angels are just up there and we're just going to join in and just glory, glory, glory. I, I, I don't know what else, I, I don't know what to say at that moment. It's just to be incredible. I mean, there's the goosebumps that we'll have as, as we're sitting there and going, it, it was real. God, you really are here. The Lord of glory. And James says, that Lord of glory is what you're going to then hold back and show partiality of, of who you're going to talk to about? Don't, don't do that. He says, for, for there should come into your, he starts giving an example here. He says, for if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man with filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, ah, you stand there or, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And James is given an illustration here, and the assembly here is, is a synagogue, or today it would be a church where we're, we're, we're meeting together, and, and we see somebody come in with, with fine gold on, and, and, and we're not dumb. We understand that when we see somebody, they were wearing certain clothes, you know they have money. I mean, we're not just, you know, it's not, it's kind of obvious, and, and I'm not saying they do it on purpose, it's just, they have money and they wear a lot nicer clothes than us. And that's not, that's nothing wrong with that, you know, and I, I wish I could do that at times, you know, but, but I don't and I don't have that kind of money, but, um, and I don't have gold. I wouldn't wear all gold and everything anyways, but, um, so they come in with fine apparel and they're wearing their, their whatever this, the hip thing to wear today. And then we see somebody else coming and they've got just filthy clothes on. And I'm not talking about what we're wearing this morning. I'm just talking about, you know, like just, just filthy and it's just beat up. And it's just, it's just not, it's just not appropriate. You know, again, it's just, it's just, you, they walk in and you're like, wow, what, what is, where'd that guy come from? You know, what, where, where did he roll out of this morning that, that, that's what he's coming into church in this morning. And, and so it's very clear that this person has no money at all. And James does this. He makes a, 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 a very big contrast between the two. He wants you to think of, hey, look, there's somebody here that we noticeably, they smell good, they look good, you know, their hair's perfect, all that kind of stuff. You know, they got all the perfect highlights and stuff like that for you ladies. And so then he got the, the guy over here is just coming in and he's just, I mean, it's just obvious what James is talking about. There's no in between here. It's the very rich and the very poor. And, and James calls them out and says, you know, have you not shown partiality? The partiality here is to, is to make a distinction among yourselves. It's different from the previous word. Is you're making that distinction on your own. And so, do we show partiality today? Well, we kind of do already, don't we? We saw this morning that we already in our minds kind of had an idea of of what somebody was or what they weren't. But partiality, the Hollywood top 2018 this year is, is Robert Downey Jr. He's Iron Man. And Johnny Depp is Pirates of the Caribbean. Chris Hemsworth, who I'm usually 
miss you know people think I am him at times, but Chris Hemsworth, the guy who plays you know Thor. Um, <laughs> what? Well, he got his hair cut like mine now. He doesn't have the long drapes. So. Anyway, so and then there's Matt Damon. Okay, we all know Born Identity, or most of us do. Will Smith. Okay, uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. You know, not so much him anymore. Um, so, so those are the top Hollywood 2018 from this year, and and then the sports. Maybe there's Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady, not Tom Brady. And then there's, there's Tiger Woods. You know, Tiger's back now, so everybody's all excited about golf. Um, of course, there's Nick Saban. We all know that one, of course. And then, and then there's LeBron, baby Bron Bron. You know, if you watch basketball and Steph Curry, he's a Christian. Um, and then for Christians, maybe you're like, well, Kevin, I don't really watch Hollywood. And I'm not really big into sports. Well, maybe in Christian side, you know, Francis Chan, you know, if he came in here, you know, something like that, or, or Toby was in here, or, you know, the concert that just happened for, for King and Country just happened and, and everybody's excited about them, okay? And so, so just imagine this morning, pick your, pick your person, pick your poison of, of who that person is to you, and they come in this morning, surprise. I didn't tell you guys, you know, that for King and Country was actually going to do a set for us this morning. It was, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it, you know? And they come in and they sit next to you. You'd be, what? For king and country? I don't even know their names. For king? Or is it country sitting, you know? I don't know who's sitting next to you, you know? But it's not the king, okay? So they, they come in, they sit next to you. Whoever that person is in your life, you're like, oh my gosh, this person's next to me. And so you finally muster up and you talk to them a little and you have little butterflies in your stomach and, and you get them you know, and you find out these, oh my gosh, he's Christian. Would you sign my Bible? And he autographs your Bible for you and you, you take a selfie with them. And, and so you're, you're just all excited, you know? Now, d- while I'm talking this morning, would you, would you be able to focus on on the word of god this morning or would you be like i can't believe you know tom brady's sitting next to me you know t tv 12 is sitting next to me i can't believe this is incredible you know you just be all excited about it you know so so we would be sitting there and in in our non-partiality this morning we, we all have it right i mean we just we just do we would just be so excited to be able to see that and, and, and I've experienced it too. And, and back in Fort Lauderdale, you know, we were a big church. And so we had different people coming in and I'm you know, artists or you meet pastors and, you know, and there is that excitement. There just is. I don't know why. Well, I know why. It's because we sit there and we look at it and we, we focus on what the accolades of the world has given somebody. And so then that automatically becomes more important than maybe something else. So this morning, if, if that person was to sit there, you actually would be a little bit more excited about the accolades that the world has placed upon this person than, than you would be to be able to say, hey, look, I'm actually sitting here reading the Bible and Jesus Christ is sitting next to you this morning. Did you know that? The Holy, Holy Spirit is in us and we're in the, God says we're two or more gathered. He is with us. The Lord is in your presence. The Lord is sitting next to you this morning. Are you that excited to go, man, I got God's sitting next to me this morning as I open his word and the Holy Spirit is sitting there with me and the Holy Spirit is pointing things out and and I can't believe I'm doing a Bible study with the Holy Spirit this morning. But it's true. And in the DR, we, we sit up on stage and there's, you know, there's like a presence of the pastors are sitting up here, which is super weird to, to sit up there. And not every church does it, but but several, and some in America do it too, some of the Baptist churches, stuff like that. So you, you're like separated and there's like a, a point of, of like we're, I feel like we're better than everybody else as we sit up there. And, and actually we're not in the DR because the fan doesn't really blow on us. And if you sit in the congregation, there's a couple really, so you're just sitting up there, you're sweating, everybody's like, oh dude, you got a fan up there. And I'm like, it doesn't hit you. You know, I mean, it's just terrible. But 
So we sit there and we, we place accolades on these people and, and so James is saying there is in verse four, he says, you know, we become judges with evil thoughts. And I'm not saying that you're, you're evil because you have these thoughts that come upon you and, and these ideas as far as somebody else. But what I'm saying is, is that's what kind of happens within our hearts. It's that flesh. So as we become e- judges with these evil thoughts, we, we base our, our carnal inclinations to become a, a judge. And so we now become the judge. It's not that we're judging. We're, we are actually the judge. One commentator translated it says, do not show partiality. Judge, don't be, do not partially judge between men and are becoming evilly thinking judges. They don't show the, the partiality there and then become evilly, evilly. I love the old English for some reason they didn't know how to write, but for evilly thinking judges, evilly thinking judges. And again, I'm not looking at you guys going, well, you know, you're, you're, you're worshiping Satan this morning because you have, you have evilly thoughts like that. No, it's just, it's just our flesh. And we'll choose to be with one person because then at the same time, if there was somebody that was, was dumpster diving last night and they sat down and they sat next to you, you'd be like, wow, really? I mean, there's like so many seats around me and this dude sits right next to me. You know, and he hasn't taken a bath in like two weeks and, and how am I going to study? You know, how can I focus now with, with this smell? You know, Jim, Jim Cimbala, a long time ago, he taught on a, at a pastor's conference and, and really a message that, that changed my, my vision on, on what ministry was. And he said he got done with an Easter message and it was two or three that they had done. And he's like, man, I'm just exhausted the other day. And he said, lots of ministry going on, people praying over here. And then there's some guy coming up and he goes, you know, we don't give money out to the homeless and all. He said, we just know what they're going to do with it. We just don't do it. And this guy comes up and he goes, he's, you know, back to that wall. He goes, you can smell him from here. He goes, he just, he just, just whatever, just hadn't bathed in a month and just, you know, and he goes, you know, what do you want? You know, uh, I want what you got is what the guy said back to him. He's reaches in his pocket and he's, he's, I'm just going to give him a couple bucks and just be done with the day. And the guy said, Hey, I don't want your money. I want what you got. You know, I sit in that, that alley out there and I hear you guys all the time and I want this Jesus that you've got. And Jim says, you know, you get together and he's just, now he's just convicted because here he was just taking the cheap way out and judging this guy. He said, and we just grabbed hold of each other and just sat there and rocked and just hugged. He said, and the Lord just convicted me. That smell that he's giving me right now is the same stench that I smell from your ministry. Because if you're not willing to minister to these people, then I'll find somebody else. And that's the convicting part. When you start now, you start taking this and say, you know, what really am I judging and what partiality am I showing? Because again, that stench then just goes up to heaven and heaven's like, ah, I can find somebody else. I can find somebody else to do what I've called you to do. Because again, as we've heard before, Jesus coming in and the people are singing Hosanna and, and Jesus looks at them and says, hey, look, if they weren't singing, the very rocks would cry out. You know, we're just replacements for rocks. This is no, we don't, Jesus doesn't need us. God doesn't need us. We get to do the work of the Lord. And again, as you show partiality and you show these evilly thoughts, you know, God just looks at it and goes, what is that? I don't need that stench. I need, I need an aroma, a good aroma to come up here. Mark 7, 20 to 21 says, Jesus talking about defilement. Uh, to the Pharisees, and he said, uh, what comes out of a man defiles a man. And again, just so you understand, he's not talking about, you know, after you eat and something comes out. Okay, we're not talking about that. I don't know how to properly say that in a Sunday morning 
message, but the poo poo type thing. Okay. Is that appropriate? And so I don't want any letters or anything like that. Okay. So it was, so he's not talking about that. What he's saying is, is from within out, from within out of our heart of men proceeds evil thoughts. And so he's saying what, what, what is, the, what's the defilement as you is not what, what comes out of you after you've eaten something. He goes, it's the very evil thoughts and the very evilness within our hearts that then comes out of our mouth and comes out of our thoughts. And he goes, that, that is, that's something I can't have. That's the defilement that I'm talking about. And Jesus looking at them going, the, these Pharisees are acting like they're so perfect and they do everything perfect and they have their robes on and they look so great. And he goes, but man, you guys are just, it just, it's just terrible. I can't stand to look at you guys. God shows no partiality at all. Acts 10.34 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Romans 2.11 says, For there is no partiality within God. Paul states it again in Ephesians 6.9 and Colossians 3.25 that there is no partiality. And so as James looks at this church or whoever that he's writing to at the time, he says, look, I'm just trying to make it clear to you guys that do not show partiality. It's just not acceptable. Verse 5 moves on and says, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, and also said, do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. And so the first part here is is, is there's a principle that he's trying to teach them. And James says that there's three questions that he asks them, and he's not really looking for, for real answers because they should be obvious to them at this point. There's three questions that he asks. The first one says, has God not chosen the poor? He asked them that. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm asking the poor Christian church here, James is. Look, has, has God not chosen you, the poor Christian church? Has he not? Psalm 12, 5 says, For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. Proverbs 22, 22 and 23 says, Do not rob, rob the poor because he is poor, nor oppress the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder him. Now, he's not talking about every single poor person that's out there. Obviously, he's talking about the class of people, the poor. That The Lord is saying, look, I will be their defender. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to watch out for them. And so again, then, as if the Lord does that, and we claim to be Christians, and we are of the Lord, should that not then rub out to us where we say, hey, look, that's something that I feel that we should be doing as well. We as the church, we as, as, as the representative of who Christ is, if this is something that God wants to do, should it not be something that, that we should want to do? And James looks at that church and says, hey, look, you guys, listen, you are those poor people. The earthly possessions mean nothing here. It's spiritual treasures that count. 
And so you're sitting there and you're looking at this and, and you're saying, look, you know, it's, it's a point of, you go back to, I'm sorry, real quick, go back to, in chapter one, it says, in verse nine, it says, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he passes away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a, burn, with a burning heat that, that it, than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance it perishes. So the rich man will fade away in his pursuits. So James has already addressed this, and it almost sounds to me sometimes like James just doesn't like rich people. If you just read the first two chapters, you're like, this dude's got a problem with rich people. But what he's trying to point out to them is like, look, you're, you're looking at them and you're looking at all this accolades and and all this money that they have and you're putting the focus on the wrong thing that stuff's going to disappear that stuff's going to do good is going to go away and they're going to have nothing at all but where's your where's your heart and where are your treasures at church are you sitting there focusing on i just got to get another dollar or are you sitting there focus on um, man i just need to know jesus more today so that i might minister to him why because i trust the lord to say that hey look all my needs will be provided and it doesn't say all my wants will be provided, but I know today Jesus is going to say, hey, look, I'm going to take care of your needs for today. Okay? It might be one shirt. It might be one pair of pants. You know, it might be, you know, one meal. But what is your need today that he's going to promise to provide for you? Okay, well, then I'm going to rest in that and say, hey, look, I then, I then have the freedom to move on and to do whatever God has called me today. Now, if I'm supposed to work with it, I'm going to work as if I'm working under the Lord, and I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to do a great job for my boss, and I'm going to do those things. If it's to be in ministry, if it's to work around the house, then, man, I'm going to work around the house like nobody's ever worked around the house before. Why? Because I'm cleaning it for the Lord. And so, so it changes the whole atmosphere and the whole focus on what you're looking at, because in verse 5 again, it says, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world... Us, probably, to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him. And so this kingdom that he's promised us, it's, it's, it's something that we all know that the kingdom of God is what is coming. The parallel verse again is in one twelve. It said, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So again, if your focus is on just the things of this world, well, then you miss out on what the promise is to come. God said, look, I'm going to give you a crown of life. There's going to be a point where everybody in this room dies. And if you're going to receive that crown of life, and you're going to be in heaven, and you get to say, glory, glory, hallelujah, or are you going to be on the other side where you're not? And you're going to be like, man, I just listened I just humbled myself before God and I had stopped focusing on those things and just bowed down to him. Second Timothy 4, 8 says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown, Paul talking, probably his last letter that he wrote. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but to all of those who have loved his appearing. Paul says, on that day, it's going to happen, man. And I'm going to sit there. And when I'm not here anymore, man, he's just going to give me that crown. He's going to hand it to me. And, and look, it's not just me. Uh, hopefully when I'm up there, I get to see you guys too. And I get to see it and I go, wow, he gave it to Hannah. Woo, awesome party. Hannah's here. You know, I mean, we get to sit there and just be uh, just, it, it just excited to look at that and be in heaven and go, man, it's real. He's looking at him saying, don't, don't, don't get sidetracked. Don't show the part. Don't allow that evilness that's within your heart to come out and to be able to stop you. So then he asks two more questions. 
He says, For have you not dishonored the poor man? Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? He asked them questions. He's like, guys, what are you doing? I mean, you're, you're hanging out with them. I mean, these are the same people that are, that are taking you to court and they're, they're just abusing you and then they're, they're blasting the, that noble name. I mean, why, why are you wanting to hang out with them? I don't understand. You're just, you're giving up on the people who actually need ministry, who actually need you because again, in the time that they were at, I mean, these guys were dirt, dirt poor. There was nothing. We talked about when we started off James that this church had just started. So it was, you know, Jewish people are very national. I mean, they're very strong as far as their nationalism. And so you've got that. And then you've got, you know, this 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 foreign government that's come in and taken them over. And then you've got a, a group of these Jewish people that are now Christians that have no no relationship with either one. And so now they can't get a job and the stuff that they had has probably been taken for them and given to somebody else. And, and so at the very beginning of the church, I mean, there was just people were just pooling their money together just to kind of be like, hey, this person needs some, some meals over here. And hey, you know, whatever's face over here needs something over here. And they're just trying to get everybody together. And so they're sitting there looking and go, you know, why are you sucking up to these people who are robbing you and taking you to court and taking everything away from you? These very people who are coming in here that are poor, that yeah, they haven't showered in a month. It's because they have nothing. And that's who I'm calling you to, to minister to and to love. I'm asking you to minister to them and yet you sit there and you fawn over these people. Oh, it's a politician. Oh, maybe he'll help us to get that building, that permit that we need. Or hey, it's, it's that rock star. Oh my gosh, it would be so great if he got saved I and mean, he could do such wonderful things for the Lord. At Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, the big spin one time was that Vanilla Ice. Remember Vanilla Ice, Ice Baby, that guy, that person. And so, and then, uh, and then it was uh, Lenny Kravitz. They walked forward at Calvary Chapel. It was all the buzz. Oh my gosh, they walked forward. So, I mean, I mean are, are they humble? Did, did anything change? I mean, did, did the the ministry of Jesus Christ did it change at that moment because those two people got saved, and so now millions of people who listen to rock and roll all dropped to their knees immediately and gave their life to Jesus Christ. I don't remember reading that. Why? Because it's still a process of the ministry of the Lord. Now, is it great that those two people got saved? Yeah, man, it's it's a party. Anytime that somebody gets saved, it's a party in heaven. But the righteousness and, and, and everything has been given to that person. Why? Because that person needs it. That person is crying out for somebody to love them. And that person's crying out for somebody to show them some, some dignity. And that, and I'm not saying that because it also talks in the Old Testament, the other side of that too is not to show favoritism to people who are poor. And people don't know about that part, but that's in the Old Testament as well, is that, that you're not, it, the fa- partiality is for both sides. Oh, they're poor. Well, no, we got to give them the best seat in the house and we've got to do this for them. Why? We're all equal, are we not? I don't care if you're rich, poor, or in between. It's, it, we're all equal. On the totem pole of, of the cross, it's, it's, there's, there's no higher ranking for anybody. So again, as we look at these people who just need Jesus, is that not the more important thing? So he's sitting there and he's looking at him. He's like, why are you sucking up to these people? Why are you just bending over for them? Because these people are the ones that are taking advantage of you. And again, on the other side of that, I understand maybe they're trying to, to better their situation. Maybe they're like, hey, if I make friends with this person, it'll help us out and we can do that. I mean, you can kind of to look into it any way that you want to. But James is saying, man, you're, you've chosen a side that's opposite of God. God wants you to be doing this and you've chosen a side that's opposite of God. 
And then he moves on in verse 8, and I think he's, he's kind of turned into a little bit of Paul here. He says, so if you really fulfill the royal, the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. And so he's kind of like Paul, he starts in Romans. If you've read Romans and you understood it and you were able to keep track of it where, where you're at, he, he, he starts asking loads of questions and he starts dropping little lines for me. He says, hey, look, if, if you're doing that, man, that's awesome. That's great. But don't use that as your justification. Don't say, well, I'm just treating the, the rich person because, you know, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. You know, so I'm, I'm just trying to bring him to the Lord, you know, and I'm just, you know, doing that because, well, that that's great. But are, is that really your reason behind it? So James is like, don't don't bring that. Don't don't bring just the Bible verse to me to say, hey, look, that's why I'm ministering to that person because, well, you know, he's my neighbor and I'm just trying to get him saved. He says, well, great, that's awesome. But, but again, if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the laws as as transgressors. He's like, look, that's fine if you're going to do that, but let me tell you something else. If you're showing partiality in that, then then you've sinned. Just flat out. I'm not going to, I'm not going to buttercoat this anymore. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just letting you know straight out that then, then you're sinning. And the same thing goes for us today in the church. Why? Because again, it's, it's just the fact that he, he brings it upon it is, is, is just opening the, it's not just a relationship. It's not just the conversation of it. He's just addressing the issue and saying, look, I, I see what's going on and I'm telling you not to do it. Telling you to, to to pull back your emotions, pull back your flesh, and realize, hey, look, stop it. There are people who really need you and need love. But if you show the partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law of the transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do commit adultery and you do murder, and do, and, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. The royal law, you guys can turn real quick to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Verse 36. This is also known as the greatest commandment, greatest commandment is what you'll probably see in yours. 22, verse 36 through 40. So what is the royal law then? If we're, if we're committing a sin here, if we're doing something, well, what, what's, what, what ones are we supposed to do? And Jesus is having a, like a, a big showdown with everybody at the time, all the royal people. And so like the, the, the Pharisees and, and all, they, they've come to him and well, the Sadducees come and then he shoots down the Sadducees and then the Pharisees see that he did that. So now they're coming with him with a, you know, a couple questions and this is, we're going to have a, a show off with Jesus. And Jesus kind of just shuts it all down and, you know, it starts back in verse 34. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and, hey, let's get together. Let's talk about this before we go in there and, and get shot down. He says, so then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, hey, teacher, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Huh, you know, I got this great question that I thought I'd ask you. And, and Jesus said to him, oh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. That is the first and great commandment. And the second, because I know you're going to ask this question too, is like it, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the laws of the prophets. And so he shuts them down immediately. He said, well, well, Kevin, why did he say those two? Well, the first one is this. If you love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, well, you make the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments are satisfied. The first four commandments that we've been given of the Ten Commandments have to do with God. Our relationship with God. And so if I, if I love the Lord with all my heart 
and with all my soul, and I'm truly seeking God, well, then I'm going to meet those, right? So he says, look, that's the first commandment. Well, the second commandment is going to deal with the last six commandments of the Ten Commandments. And those have to do with our relationships with other people and with each other. And so that one, he says, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So James takes this, and so, again, I think Joseph and Mary did a great job raising their kids because you've got Jesus quoting this. Of course, he's God that cheats. But then you've got James coming along and saying, hey, look, I understand what the Word of God says so clearly that I'm teaching you guys right now that, hey, look, this is not only what it says in the Old Testament or in the Bible is what they would call it, the Torah, but he's saying, also, my brother said this, is that these are the two greatest commandments. And so then as we look at it and we show ourselves and we start looking at people that are coming into our church or maybe they're coming within our household or they're coming into our neighborhood or I see them in the store or I see them outside the store as they're, as they're waiting for somebody to come outside, I'm saying, look, if I do these two commandments, then, man, I'm going to be fine. It's going to be very hard to show partiality when I'm loving the Lord God with all my heart, soul, and mind. It's kind of like, as a husband, if I, if I love my wife as Christ loves the church, it's kind of hard then to, to do some other things, is it not? But I, because I, I just love her. And so if I'm laying my life down as, as Christ did for the church, well then, and then that should raise me up to make sure that I call myself to a higher standard. Well, I don't go, well, well, he did it this way and I'm better than that dude, so I'm fine. Well, no, my comparison isn't that, I'm, see, notice I didn't point anybody out this morning, okay? So that dude over there in the front row. And so I, if I'm not comparing myself to that person, I'm comparing myself to Jesus Christ. And so, so James is saying the same thing. He's like, look, the, the greatest of the law, the law of liberty here is that. That's what we're supposed to be looking at. So James moves on to verse 10 and he says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble at one point, he is guilty of all. So he's sitting there looking at it and go, Hey guys, look, I, I know what you're kind of saying. Look, I can't be perfect. Okay? And, and I've kept, I've kept most of them and everything pretty good. So I'm a pretty good guy. He said, Look, but, but you're missing a point. Again, if you've missed one of those, then you've committed them all, correct? It's not a point where we look at it and we go, well, you know, on the measuring stick, you know, I'm a little bit better than John today, so I'm good on that. And so he's really the bad guy. No, no, it has nothing to do with that. It's the fact that I, I look at that the pureness of what the word is and the holiness of what the word is. And then as I look upon that upon myself, I say, well, where is it that I'm not hitting it right? And again, if I figure, hey, I'm good on nine of these, but I've only on one of them, I'm bad. Well, then at that point, then James is saying, look, you've, you've blown it on all of them. Again, as we look at it, is, is you're, if, if you're, a, if you're a, a liar, if you've told one lie, right? If you told one lie, you're a liar, correct? If I killed one person, right, I'm a murderer. It's not that I'm a murderer light or I'm a liar light. You know, that, oh, he only did it once, you know, so he's not... Now, we talked about that several weeks ago that at work, you know, they call us that we're too honest. You know, there's, there's no, there's nothing in that. They're either you're honest or you're not honest, correct? But, but in the world, they like to have that little gray area. Why? Because they like to compare themselves with everybody else. But we as Christians have to look at it and we look at the word of God and then we apply it to our lives and that's where we look at it and say, hey, this is where I'm short at. Again, I'm not looking at you guys, like I said the last week or the week before, that, that it is a bad thing if you're, if you're weak in an area. That is not a bad thing. It's a bad thing if you don't address it. Okay, if if I find out, hey, Kevin, man, I, I'm i weak in this area. Well, okay, well, what are you doing about it then? If, praise the Lord that you've noticed it and that you want to address it. Well, now, am I going to take it to the Lord now? 
And am I going to read the Word of God? Am I going to put Bible verses around me to kind of encourage me, to strengthen me in those areas? Again, it's not a, it's not a bad thing to see that, hey, I've got weaknesses in my life. We all do. But the point is, what are you going to do with that weakness? Are you just going to say, well, that's kind of how I've always been? Well, it's not, a, it's not acceptable. Why? Because I'm a new creation in Christ. All those things are gone and everything's new. And so if I look at it, well, that's why I've always been. Well, no, it's not, okay? Because you're a new creation. God says, I want to do a, a new work in you. I want to do a fresh work in you. I want to just start new and I just want to, to clean you up and I want to get you out there and let's walk through this life. You stub your toe, man, let's put some band-aids on that and let's keep going from there. But too many of us want to sit back and we want to hang on to what that says. And James is calling them out and saying, look, you can't do that. What you're doing here is a sin, and I'm asking you to change that. I'm asking you to say, hey, look, there has to be something that's done here. When he says in verse 12 and 13, there, there has to be an action to this, correct? So we've seen that there's a bit of problem, and so now he's calling them to action. He says, so, so speak, and so do, so, so speak, and so do, as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is, is without mercy to the, to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so he's saying two things here. He's saying, look, at the end, end of chapter one, we reviewed that at the beginning. He was saying, look, there's a, there has to be a call to action for us. Okay. Now that we've seen that there's what, what pure religion is, you know, to minister to orphans and to, to widows, you know, we got to get dirty in ministry. There's a time where you just get, you just kind of get in the stuff of life and you got to get out there and you just got to do the work of it. Well, then that's also not being defiled by the word. So he's saying here, look, so, so speak. Okay, so speak, and in verse 19 of, of chapter 1, he addressed this. He said, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So that's the first thing, talking about speaking. Well, he also mentioned over here in verse 26. He said, um, so if anyone among you thinks he is religious and, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. And again, in chapter 3, we're going to talk a lot about the tongue. So he's saying, look, so speak, and I'm telling you right now, look, when you speak to people, don't put that person down. You need to build that person up. And you need to use words to love them. And you need to use words to encourage them. Not for the world, but bring them back to Jesus and explain the fact that, oh man, Jesus loves you so much. He's got a plan for your life. Well, I can't see the plan that I have right now. Kevin, I'm, I'm just, I'm just stuck in this place and I don't, I don't have a home. I don't have clothes. I don't, I, but the Lord knows that. And the Lord still has a plan for you. That guy that Jim Cimbala was hugging, you know, is a minister at their church now. Completely changed. I, I, I don't know if he married his daughter, but there was a lady that he had married and their, their ministry is just, so, so here's a man that he invested in this guy after, after the Lord con- completely convicted him. And because he poured into this man's life, he loved him and cherished him, brought him to Jesus, didn't give him a four count, point count of how to, how to change things. And these are the things that you need to do today. No, it was just, I'm going to bring you to Jesus and allow Jesus to do that. And I'm going to get dirty in your life at times. And there's going to be times where you're going to stumble and fall. And there's going to be times where you're going to go back on the drugs. And there's going to be times. But I'm going to continue to sit there and just like love, like Jesus, I'm going to chase after that sheep. Why? Because I love you. And God's done the same thing for us. As we've gone through life, there's been ups and downs that we've gone through. and, And Jesus just hasn't let go of us. And I praise the Lord that he hasn't. 
He continues to work in us and he continues to strengthen us and to, to continue to fall in love with us and continue to hold us, not fall in love with us because he's always loved us, but we continue to fall back in love with him so that he just does not let us go. He says, man, I just, I just love you. And I know, I, I know there's better things for you in your life. And I want you to be in there, your word and I want you to talk to me and pray with me and, and just go through life. And so Christians, so speak and so do. So pour into people's lives. And don't allow them just to give up on life. Well, this is the best that I can do. It's not. God wants so much more for you. At, at work, we've, it's sad. There's, we, we laugh at some people. We, we do because we have to, but, um, there's other people who just come in and just, you know, we, we, there was a time that we had some ladies of the night that, you know, would work at certain places and, dancing places and all and um you know you'd look at them and they would come in and you just you know somebody held them as a baby and had such great plans for their lives you know some dad just loved his little girl at one point you know and there here they are and i can't imagine that that person at 10 and 12 and 14 dreamed of being where they're at right now and and you just, you, your heart breaks for people like that because it's like they've given up on life and maybe life has just brought them down to a point where they're at and they just feel that that's, that's really the best that they can do. And, and maybe that this morning is the same thing for you guys. You're just at a point where you're just like, man, this, this, Kevin, this is the best I can do. I, I, I don't know what else. I, I, I've spoke, I, I do, and I feel like this is, this is it. You know, I, I, have, I have nothing else that I can accomplish or I don't see any hope in where I'm at. And But I can tell you that there's more. You know, turn back to um, Matthew 18. Matthew 18. It's going to be in verse 21. We're going to read quite a bit here, but we won't go back to James, so you can just dump out of that. And, and again, guys, the reason that the, the the law is so important is is the law gives us freedom. And, and so many times we look at the law, we think of it as to-dos, and we, we think of it that it's holding us back in life, and we look at the, the shiny images of what the world is offering, but, but the law is really freedom. God says, look, I want you to do everything outside of this. This this is the rules that I've given you. And I want you to know that you have complete freedom within that. But I want you to know I, I desperately desire to have a relationship with you. And if you do these things, it, it makes it difficult for me to have a relationship with somebody because it's sin to me. And so, so many times we look at that and in life we we we, we get down or we, we feel held back by the Lord and God has just given us so much freedom. And so many times we misconstrue that and we take that the other way and feel like he's holding back from us for some reason. It says here, it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and forgive him? Up to seven times. And again, we've talked about this before. Peter's thinking he's super spiritual. And Jesus said to him, said, I, I say to you up to seven times, but to seventy-seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle his accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 
But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he, that he be sold and with his wife and his children and all that he had and the payment would be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him and said, Master, I've, I've, have patience with me and I, I will pay you. The master of the servant was moved and with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and said, took him by the throat and says, pay me what you owe. So this fellow servant fell at his feet and begged him and saying, have patience with me, I'll pay you. And he would not, but he went and threw him into prison till he could pay the debt. So then his fellow servants saw that had been done and, and they were grieved and they came to the told the master of all that had been done. And then his master, after he had called him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had had compassion on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until the until he could be paid and and what was due. And so my heavenly Father also will do to each of you from his heart, and does not forgive his brother his trespasses. And so the point here is not it's not about talking about salvation for us. It's again it's ha- having it's having mercy upon people. And I know that sometimes we, we walk into here and, and, and we walk in life and we just feel like, man, that person has done something to me. And that person deserves it. Or, or you know what? They, they've done this and, and I, you know what? They, they don't, they don't deserve me to give forgiveness or they don't deserve me to show them mercy. I say that you, again, for all that Christ has done to me or for me in my life, anytime that he has called me or asked me to give mercy to somebody, I should give it. I, trust me, I've done I've done worse things to the Lord than people can do to me. You know, I, I I have blasphemed His name. You know, I have turned my back on Him. I have mocked God. I have I, just the list of things that I have done in my life, and for Him to still look at me and go, Kevin, I I, I want you as my son. I I love you that much that I'm I'm willing to look past. The, the jokes that you made at my cost and that the fact that you were that you were didn't believe in me and made fun of me and the fact that you, you used my name in vain and, and, and actually in, in a blasphemous way. But Kevin, I, I, I still love you. And I still care for you. And you look at it and go, how, how, how could you do that? How could you do that for me? And how could you do that for, for, for you guys? I mean, I just, I just love you. I just care for you. And it was set from the beginning of time that I mean I just I just knew that I loved you and I wanted you. And so again, so who are we not to be willing to give mercy? Christian, who are you to judge this morning? Who are you to make the decision on whether they get to go to heaven or not? Or who who they get to be witnessed by or who they do not get to be witnessed by? Again, that the calling again for us is is that during the season, and again, just charging you guys to do this, is that Make this church a place of salvation. Make this place a church of, of where people come and they can get saved. But the, see, that happens by the invitation of us. Not just you, not just me, but, but all, all of us. Have you introduced somebody to Jesus? Have you opened the door to somebody to hear something about Jesus? Have you opened the door to invite somebody to come to church and to hear about Jesus? This man was willing to listen to terrible music. I'm just kidding. <laughs> to take this lady to church. Kept begging her and asking her. Are, are you willing to do the same? Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall obtain mercy. And this is not, again, it's not a point of salvation. It's not a point that you can earn. You can't earn mercy. Okay, so don't say, well, I gave mercy, so I'm storing up my mercy, you know, bank account. No, because then it wouldn't be mercy. If you could earn mercy, then, then it wouldn't be mercy, right? It's something that you've earned. Mercy comes from, from God because you just don't deserve it. And he just wants to, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bless you for that. Christians, give mercy. Be merciful to those people around us. Be open-minded to, to, to minister to whoever call, who you're, you're called upon to do that to. Don't, don't be judges of who, who deserves my attention and who doesn't. For all do. We all stink in heaven. Okay, the, just the stench of our, of our sin and who we are just permeates and, and it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that has cleansed us and made us righteous. Amen? Amen. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. Thank you again just for the opportunity to open your word, Lord, open to hear to what James is teaching us today. Pray that you would just minister to our hearts, Lord, those that are weak this morning, those that are fighting sicknesses. Lord, I pray for our hearts this morning, God, that we would just be soft, be humble before you, God, not to be hard, not to be unusable, not to be so stoic in our in our situations in life that we're not willing to move or be to be flexible to be used by you, God. Help us to to take all in, Lord. Rich or poor, doesn't matter. Lord, help us to see all the need, all those that need Jesus. Lord, just lift up this church to you, God. I pray that you would just be in them and on them, Lord, and um, give them the the excitement to share your word. Give them the words to speak, the boldness to speak, Lord, as well. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.